0: was the opening soundtrack of the movie, Dick. Don't get no bad thoughts. Dick. LaShawn Dickerson, private detective. What's up, world? What's up, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, social media? I always give uh, shout-outs to all those places because I don't know where the podcast may land and and maybe you're a listener there. Just want to say, Hi. Eileen Zellers um, is doing the podcast, as I talked about this earlier, I did these five pictures back in the early days, the Stone Age days, when we would start down on VHS tape. Wow, so cool, man, like VHS, yeah, then with the mini DVD, I mean mini DV tape, I thought you' was really doing something, shot a lot of that stuff on that. So this is my third movie shot on videotape at that time, because that's what we had. I mean, digital stuff was available, but when you're broke and you had a lot of money, you had to get get you a VHS, because you could always find a VHS, even if you had to take it out the house from your parents. Um this movie was titled Dick by a private detective, LaShawn Dickerson. And like, my whole idea with this movie. I was kind of like, I'm trying to think where my mind was at. Because when I look at the movie tonight, it was hilarious. There was parts in there that I just, like, I mean, laughed out loud. Just burst out laughing. Some stuff in there was so corny. And I'm like, damn, did I write that shit? Some stuff in there was really good. I'm like, damn, I wrote that shit? Um, but... It's all a learning process. This was like my third film. This is like with no prior film school or whatever. This is just, you know, raw dog in it, gorilla style in it, reading stuff from books, documentaries, stuff I can catch on, on TV, YouTube, or whatever, and just trying to suck in knowledge, man, to make movies, man, because that's what it was about. And uh, so this was the third one, Dick. Now, some of you probably say, well, Lee, this is the third film. We heard the podcast for Nattyville. That was funny, hilarious, is what I'm being told. Um, but why come we didn't hear about the second film, Justifiable? Because you just said this is the third film, Dick. So what happened to the second one? Well, I tried doing a uh, podcast with Justifiable, and it just it just didn't have that energy. It didn't bring that thing out like the stuff that I enjoyed doing not that I, I didn't have some good times on filming Justifiable because there are times on there that I had great times working with some of the cast that was really cool it's just other stuff that I'm just not going to get into waste my time with so Dick um, a lot of people was like I remember the, a friend of mine when he asked me he was like so what's the next movie you working on I said Dick and he's like what like what do you mean by that? And I'm like, that's the name of the movie. It's gonna be called Dick. And he was like, man, don't call your movie Dick. Like, like, what is you thinking? Why is you call? He said, this ain't porn, It's bruh. I mean, dude, is it then got to that point? What are you doing porn? I'm like, no, man, it ain't porn. Plus, I can't even find a way to pay me enough to do that. No, I digress. I wasn't even thinking of that. Um, so. I said, I'm calling it Dick because this is kind of like the idea what was going to be behind this movie was going to be kind of throwback, like kind of 70s style, some sort of create my own sometimes 70s kind of language and try to have some of that kind of flavor to it where this dude kind of sort of talked that stuff, like your digs and, you know, yo mama and all that. And, but uh, at times that came across. At times I missed it totally. Uh it was a lot we did in this movie because one of the things after coming off of Justifiable, I just remember I'm just going to flashback. I remember the last day, uh, the final scene for Justifiable. It was a, the day that it was a rap like almost damn near the happiest day of my life because the movie is done. It's behind me. Justifiable. But I'm going to say this though. Justifiable Romance is like one of my better stories as uh, far as the story idea um, writing, I still was in that learning stage About writing and stuff like I still am I, 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 just always a learning stage But that was one of my I think one of my better stories has been And if it was ever a time Where I wanted to go back and remake it I could, but I don't know if that happened But I remember that final day I was just glad that movie wrapped But anyway, I digress So on Dick, it was always this issue about The title What do you want to call the movie Dick? Lee, let's sit down and discuss this why are you calling this movie Dick? And I'm like, because, like I said, it's kind of got this throwback vibe to it of like one of these like detectives from back in the day, '70s detectives that wear like a leather coat and a cool hat or something like that. And he like got an office right above some kind of like, you know, mom and pop grocery store or some pool room or something like that. That was the idea. But trying to pull that across when you got zero money, yeah. Those are the challenges of doing independent film. Most of you have attempted, you know all about that. Um, You got to work with what you got. And sometimes what you want to work with, or sometimes the ideas of the things that you would like to do, you actually just, you know, it's like, I got this idea, and I want to try to pull this across. But you can't, you can't, you can't, because why? you don't have any money. So you have to be more creative in your, your thinking process. And sometimes in that process, and this is what I, I tell other filmmakers, because I've talked to people sometimes, they got these stories and they want to do these movies and they got ideas of like a fight scene where somebody, you know, chases somebody else out onto a runway or something like that, and they run up on a plane and get into a fight, and I'm like, okay, sounds great. How are you going to get a runway? Where are you going to get permission to do that? Who's gonna, How are you going to afford to get up on this plane? And how? You know, it's like, it's easy to go there with your thinking, but you also have to think about what do you have access to. So when I write, um, I don't mind giving that out as far as like a tip. But that's something that I do, something that you can do. Is like when I write, I think about the things I'm going to have access to. I don't write my story. I don't tell my story in a way, tailored in a way where I'm going to need something like somebody jumping from... A moving car to a bus It sounds great But can I pull that off? Possibly not Um, You know again Somebody running out on a runway And running up into an airplane To chase down somebody Sounds great But could you pull that off? Probably not Maybe you can't I don't know But that's why I say I try to stick to the Locations and sets And things that I know Would be accessible to me But anyway um, So I was cool with the title I'm like, title's Dick, sticking with it, whether anybody likes it or not, that's what we did. So, stuck with the title. Um, This was, like, fun. This is, like, doing this was, like, a moment where you um, been, like, left out in the jungles or something like that, and it was wild animals all around you. And somehow, you know, the helicopter finally came in and rescued your ass. That's what this was like doing uh, when I started filming the movie, Dick. Had nothing but fun from the first day we started rolling camera. I'm serious. It was nothing but fun. Uh, Most of the people I was working with, I knew... um, Majesty, who had been with me from day one, again, played a big part in this one. Um, she was in Nattyville, told a story about how we met Nat. Uh, she was in Justifiable Romance, um, and then she was in the movie Dick. And, and then I had uh, a lot of the actors from Justifiable Romance who I met, what I uh, cast for that, and also had them in this. So it was like most of us was in this film was in my uh, second film. And so it was like I had this ensemble of people to work with that we all knew each other, we was all cool, we all had fun together. So um, when we got on Dick, you know, one of the things we made sure, like, we're we're not bringing nobody in the circle. Not doing that again. Let those outsiders stay out there. And looking in over the fence, over the wall, but they're not getting inside. So we kept it kind of tightened, it pretty much with the people that we all knew that we was cool, got along with. So we went on this adventure. And it just like, because, and it was like, because I was having so much fun with this. And it, I guess I was having fun with it before I even started rolling Cameron, because when I was writing it, I like, I wrote this story like really big. Like, it was beyond some boundaries and shit, beyond really some stuff that, um, I might, I think, like, I kind of went over my head with it. Like, I wasn't equipped in a lot of ways to tell the story that I was trying to tell, not writer-wise or filmmaker-wise, but yet I still attempted it. And it's times in there where I hit my mark, but also I can look at times, too, where I was like, hey, you just fucked that all up right there. I don't know what you're trying to do with that, but whoa, what was going on there? And there's times in there where it's, like, it's so B-movie corny, like, and I forget about those scenes. Because I, like, it's been, like, when I pop these movies in to watch them, first, gotta like try to find a... De- and, then, and people always be, like, man, can I get... And it's, like, folks be thinking I'd be having copies of this shit just sitting around. I'm, like, yeah, I remember this shit was, like, shot a decade ago. And I had them on DVDs and, you know... The quality of DVDs, like if they kept in a good, clean, dry, safe place, they'll hold up. But, you know, I got shit to be all over the place because moving on, we're doing other things now. We're not shooting on VHS anymore and we're not putting stuff on DVDs. So it's like when I know how, you know, it is when folks who played a part in this and then they see like a little piece that I put up today. And it's like the quality of that looks nice, but it looks really shitty. Uh, actually, it's just the way it came across using my camera, my phone. But uh, yeah, um, so I know people. Oh, I want to get a copy. It's just don't don't worry. About it. It's like and then then I have, I'm kind of I'm telling you, it's like I must be getting older. You know what I'm saying that because I think when you get older, you get a little bit more. You, you have you develop a much more conscious of things. And be things sometimes I look at it that movie and be like. <sighs> I wanna put that out I be looking at folks now and they, You know this is Years later You know Back then we was young A lot younger And just kinda of like Do shit and Didn't care about shit And then now you get older And like yeah We kinda of care about shit Cause I know some of y'all Probably like Yeah Lee I know exactly What you're talking about Don't release that movie Please don't, don't, don't Just don't Don't please. Don't put that online Please Please I should, I should blackmail Some of y'all Like give me some money For this thing. I will to put it online No, I'm just kidding um, but no, it's, 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 I'm just in a different place with that kind of stuff, but I do want to talk about it because it was so much that went into doing this film. So much, uh, far as locations, cast. I had a lot of people in this movie. I'm not going to get into trying to list them all right now, but, uh, Leonard, Majesty, C, Anthony, as T wit peanut, uh, DC, Rocky, uh, geez. Uh some more out there I can't think of them all. Uh, Patrick, I gotta tell you the story about Patrick. Um so it's all let me let me just yeah, let me just go into this direction. It's because the big story that's been a big story for a while in regarding films has been the um shooting that took place on Alec Baldwin. I almost slipped his name, man. <laughs> I was like, you ain't say that name? And I was like, damn, is it there? Is it there? It just, boom, it came out. Alec Baldwin. Get old. He started forgetting shit. Um, so, you know, that's I, most of the past few podcasts that I've done. I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately. It's kind of cool, though. I got uh, Tequila Friday. I got the Basement Show Podcast 2.0. That's the one I do with my boy Peanut from the ATL. Then I got... Uh, this, well, this will wrap after I do my final movie. And then I just got the regular podcast, which this Basement Show, Basement Talk, where I might just get on there and just, you know, just spew some stuff out, throw out some things, just, I don't know. Or sometimes I might bring on a guest. Like I got a couple uh, uh, interviews, uh, podcast interviews that's coming up anyway. But I digress. Let me get back on Dick. And I've never been on Dick. Some of you have just females. I digress. Mine shouldn't have went there. But that's what it does. When you have a title like that, so like I said, so the whole Alec Baldwin thing, and when I look back on this movie and when I was watching this, trying to watch this DVD that kept sticking on me, it was pissing me off. Um, but it was some crazy stuff in there. Then it skipped some scenes. And so I'm looking on this stuff and I am looking at all of the gunplay that was in there. And it was real guns. And it was really stupid when I think about it now. Because there was times where there was times when we fired the guns that was I thought was actually a hundred percent safe. Then I saw a scene that just, I just, God, I, I couldn't believe that what we, I did that. I couldn't, I just, you know, and just thank God that nothing ever happened. Um, because <laughs> I was talking to Pina, I think we, we mentioned like a couple, I was like, no, nah, it was about four times in that movie, I think about four, possibly five times in that movie that we actually used a real gun, I think probably fired it about each one of those times and there were real shells. And, um, again, this was, enough, This was, before I get into the whole thing with the gun stuff, this was a movie, like, the, the thing with these films I was doing back at that time, it was like, budget-wise, budget was feeding people. That was it. It was buying white castles, snacks, donuts, or bananas, whatever, the, just to, to, to have some kind of fuel to go on. Um, that's probably that was the budget. So the whole the whole thing was always shoot the movies, get them on DVD, hit the streets with them, sell some tickets for a screening, you know. And uh, Dick was one like I'm not gonna say it was a it, no. I won't even say that, that word. Almost came out of my mouth, and there was no need for that. It wasn't one of my highest-selling movies, okay? I'll just say that because, like, I was on this one, like I said, it was like one of these movies that I just had so much fun doing. I had so much fun writing the story because I knew the people I was going to be working with. I knew how much fun we was going to have. So I think I was just doing this in a lot of ways. Like, we're going to make a movie and have fun making a movie, and it's going to be a fun movie. And and if nobody likes it, at least we'll like it. Or at least we'll say we had a fun time making it. So on this fun time making this movie, back to this gun stuff, so I had this we had a scene where like it's a opening it's in a very opening scene where um where, where where Lashawn Dickerson, played by Leonard Roberts, is going through some mental issues because he's a former military guy and he's PTSD and stuff. And uh even in that scene, that's an opening scene where he's holding a uh, 38 to his head, it was empty. I was sure that it was empty. I didn't have whatever they call it, armor or none of that kind of stuff. It was just me, and but I just made sure that there was no shells in the gun because when I took the gun to the, the location, there was no shells in it, and uh, it was just me and him, and I was the only one handling it. So, so that scene was like with him just you know going through shit, not seeing his daughter and child support and living like a bum and um, him contemplating suicide, and he got this gun constantly at his head. So that was like one of the first times in the movie as far as the first scene that's shown with a gun is that scene. And then um, also in that first scene is when, it, after that opening, it's like some years later, LaShawn and guy his life together where he's this private detective now and he got this one weird ass client that hired him to spy on his wife. White dude with this black wife who's out there getting banged by somebody else not him. So Lashawn basically like sits in his car call dude, "Yeah, your wife is out here, yep. Yeah, she's having a great time with everybody but you." Um dude shows up and he like want to know and Lashawn kind of, you know, do something that is kind of uncharacteristic. That he would have done with a client, that's when he pointed out, you know, the house and all this stuff where the wife was at, which was a bad idea. So, basically, you got to get an idea what happened after that. Crazy dude, wearing a t-shirt about two sizes, too small for him. Find out his wife is banging another guy. He's intimidated by all this whole thing because, he, you know, he just, obviously, he's wearing a t-shirt, two sizes, too small. There's a lot of small things going on. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so this is a scene that's going to be set up where um, Patrick this guy I can't think of Patrick's last name I can't think of the name we had in the movie for him but he comes into this room where he's going to catch his wife having sex with another man and um, so, well, so let me go back for a minute so when we cast Patrick, um, I think he was a friend or an acquaintance. I'm not going to say a friend. I think he was like an acquaintance. Somebody knew Rocky knew or something like that. And like, I know this guy might be want to act or whatever. And I, I think we got in touch like that. Cause a lot of times that's how a lot of this stuff happens. Somebody knows somebody that knows somebody want to act or whatever. Called him up. Came over to the house. Had the firearms laid out that we was going to use for that particular scene, I didn't know which gun we probably would use. So I think had like three pistols on the table or something. I remember Patrick coming in, kind of a big uh, Caucasian, um, very like, nice-looking guy, um, had a look about him Sometimes He'd be like, everything all right? Sure? We good? All right. Um, so he sits down, and he's like trying to tell me about the scene, so he's looking at the guns, and he's like, I, I remember he picked one up, like, wow, is these real? I'm like, yeah, they real. And he's like, oh, cool. Set the gun down, talking and stuff. He's like, wow well, he picked up another one. I'm like, okay. and Then he's like, um so I, then I remember asking him, like, did you ever have you ever fired a weapon before? And he was like, no, I never fired a gun before. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be interesting because I need a person through the scene, never shot a gun, and this guy got to shoot a gun. So I think we talked about it. Basically explain, I mean, how hard, it's not hard to fire a gun. I mean, you just squeeze the trigger, you point. It really is. You just don't point at people that's like the gun at people that's in front of it. You, you, know. But my disclaimer here is don't use guns on the movie set. Just don't do it. So anyway, I know that Patrick's going to be the guy. We always say, okay, I, think, I don't know if Pina was there the day we cast him. We did that. I remember somebody was there with me that day. So anyway, we set this scene up. So I got this room set up. I got these two actors in there um, pretty much laying in the bed naked, supposedly having sex. Um, And then um, Patrick is going to come into this room because basically this guy is having um, unprotected sex with his wife. And he don't like that. Especially that his wife is black and he's a white guy. And then she done went, you what know, they're saying once you go black, you don't go back. She done went back to the black guy. Ah oh, man, you know, and this is horrible, dude. Can't deal with this. He coming in this room. He got on a t shirt that's two sizes too small. He got on these Clark Kent looking glasses, and he got a Glock. So we set the scene up, and I'm like, okay, I know you never fired a gun before, but we're gonna make this really easy. Because in the corner of this room where it's a bed, where your wife is having butt naked ass sex at, she's unaware that you walks into the room. So that's going to be the direction where you will fire the gun. But obviously, we're not going to have the actors there and uh, doing a sex scene and let you fire a loaded gun at them. No, that would be called murder. Premeditated, I believe, too. So what we're going to do is, I get this mattress. I think I'm like queen size or something, full size. And I roll it up. I think I tied it up with rope so it'd be like rolled up. And I put it over there in the corner. And I'm like, you know, just fire the shots. We come in the room. I had these like, a couple uh, jail lights uh, to kind of set a mood. And um, so, and the rest of the cast, cause we were shooting some other scenes that day. They were like off in another room, just talking, doing whatever. I'm back there all alone with a camera in the corner. Don't really know this actor that well. No, we just gave him a live gun with live rounds. So I'm over in this corner, and I'm like, you're basically going to walk in. You're going to look like over that direction because that's where, you know, they're supposed to be having sex at. Hot butt naked sex, and you're not included. You're going to look over in that corner. You're going to fire off your shots. I think he had a cigarette or something dangling from his mouth. I said, then you're going to like, after you shoot him, you're going to slowly turn, you're going to walk out because you're going to walk out to go back to the car or go back where you got a camcorder or something like that. You had here, I forgot how he had the camcorder with him, but anyway, he's going to go back out the room to come back in with his camcorder. So we set the scene up, kind of just walk it through without the gun, walk it through, made sure the safety was on the gun, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the safety off. When you come in, you put your, you know point over there in that direction, pause for a second, fire off three or four rounds, the gun come down to your side and walk out. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's get ready to do this. Like I said, I'm the only person in the room. I am off in the corner with the camera, and the room is kind of like uh, – it's, it's a low light uh, setup with some little jails uh, just to kind of create this mood. So uh, I call action. He like, walks in, very methodic, raises the gun, fire. And when he fires the first shot, I, can, I don't know if it's a concussion, what you say, I could feel the impact off of those shots. Like, you know, because I'm in this room. And all of a sudden it kind of hits me as he's shooting and stuff. I'm like, this guy's firing a live gun. I'm like in the room with this dude on the other side, like over in the corner and shit, holding this gun, this camera. And so after he do this, it like it all hits me. And it's like it's hitting me real quick, like this dude got a live gun in his hand. I'm like, I'm the only one back in this room. Like, what if this motherfucker was just like flip for a minute and like, you know, got some pent-up issues that I don't know about and shit, because I don't really know this guy that well. And I'm like, what if all of a sudden, like, there's nobody here to rescue my ass? I'm in a corner. I'm pinned in a corner, holding a damn camera, and that's it. He could like, bam, 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 and just run out, and people would be like, "Oh, what happened, Lee? You all right?" And Lee over there leaking like a motherfucker in the corner. So I'm, this kind of, yeah, this kind of runs through my head, annoying. So as he fires the shots, and he pulls it like, you know, let his arms kind of drop down, turn slowly, and walk out the room. I fucked the scene up because I yelled cut because I wanted him to stop because <laughs> I just wanted him to like make sure that you know hey we still know this is a film <laughs> we, 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 you do this is a scene we're acting in and, uh, and you know, possible flashbacks or something that he got some cargo that he's carrying I don't know about it, you know so I kind of messed that scene up by yelling cut too so. And, uh, but then it played out where he like looked at, he said, I thought I was supposed to walk out the room. I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I said, go ahead. Just go ahead and finish walking out the room. I, I cut away to something else. So then he walks out the room, go get the camera and comes back in and he's filming the bodies that, you know, that he just lit up. And LaShawn Dickerson, who's out in his car, who actually brought him there. in that scene, you see him run in. Gun drum, gun coming around the corner, and he actually come in the room and see this crazy sicko standing there smoking a cigarette, holding a camcorder with a wearing a t-shirt sizes too small, filming his work that he just put in. And um, yeah, so that was uh one of the uh scenes using live ammo, um, gun come courtesy by my guy Peanut. he's like, hey man, y'all can use my shit. So we use his for that scene. Um, It's a scene in there called the I call it the "fuck you, motherfucker, fuck yourself." Just just the F scene because the F bomb is dropped a lot, and it's when the two detectives uh, show up, the two real police detectives show up at uh, the Sean Dickinson office because after the incident took place with the the big guy with the t-shirt two sizes too small, they come to LaShawn to question him about this because they know this was a, a case he was working on and basically you, you screwed this whole situation up. So um, they come there to talk to him about this whole thing and they're like, you know... Just kind of going back and forth at it, you know. And like I can see the F bombs being dropped like all over the place. But reason why I bring that scene up, and it's one of my, it's, even though the F bombs dropped in there a lot, I, just, I like that scene. It's, it's like, it's certain times in this movie that I shot stuff and wrote stuff. I was like, damn, when I own it, I was on it, man. I was on that shit. Then there's times when I'm like, what was going on with me at that time? You know, what, what, what what was this scene about What was I trying to create here? What was I trying to say here? Was I, what was I doing at that time Was I on some kind of LSD trip Or something I don't know about I can't recall or whatever But some of that was kind of weird But anyway I digress Back to the Two detectives Who come to see uh, Leshawn Dickerson About Basically what they felt He screwed up With this client Who killed this couple Um so I got them, like, they're, they're police officers, so they're supposed to have a weapon. LaShawn, in this movie, always, like, I, that's what, that was one of the ideas I had for his character, like, as if, like, this dude sleeps in his gun. He always got a weapon on. And so the two detectives played by Sig and uh, T-Wit, they, uh, they got weapons, too, but they got them up under their jackets, you know, because they're... Um, Police officers and you know there wasn't no need for them to like have their guns flashing. But I knew at times when they would stand up or whatever, and I think I I was a scene there when they get into a little confrontation, a little argument with uh, Leonard's character. I think T. Witt reaches for his gun, so I wanted them. I just yeah, gave them. You know, again we was using real weapons. They was unloaded. I I didn't have an armory or whatever that type of person they yeah, have, but. I knew I know a little bit about guns. When a gun is loaded, I know it's not loaded. Knows it wasn't loaded. So anyway, they had the two guns on them. We shoot the scene. Had to go over it a few times, different angles, all that kind of stuff. Then uh, we, we break. And at the, when we break in, I didn't have any food on the set. So we was already going to kind of like go get some lunch. So I was like, well, y'all can go get some lunch. Uh, I'll just set up for whatever the next scene or whatever that was going to be. So they go off. My son is working with me at the time because was my sound guy. And uh, we're getting stuff together. And I'm like, yo, Raheem, um, where's the guns that um, Wig and Sig uh, Sid was using for the, the scene? And we're looking, and we're looking, and we're like, they're not around. And I'm like, okay, um, hmm." If we don't see these guns sitting nowhere in this location, I got a good idea where they at. Oh, shit. I'm trying to get on the phone. Call them up. Where y'all at? Where y'all at? Where y'all at? at? Finally, they answer the phone. I'm like, yo, where y'all at? T-Way is like, we're at the McDonald's, man. We're going to get some of these Big Macs. You want some? I'm like, Bruh, like whatever you do, um, don't let that jacket come and he's like, what? Because I said, y'all left out of here wearing those real guns. Y'all got real guns on y'all. And y'all at a McDonald's. Plus, y'all probably got them fake badges with y'all. And it's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right, yeah, yeah. Glad, you know, good looking out there. Um, You know, this is like, you know, like, I've never since we done this, attempted anything like this. Except for I just say, well, I well. And just in and, and, and Chasing the Moon, I got a scene in there where we are using um, one real weapon, but I, it was clearly not loaded. It was clearly, I knew it was clearly not loaded. And it was clearly not going to be fired. It was just to be displayed. Um, but. Yeah, and yeah, I even had some kind of issues even just with that. That just made me kind of like, you know, next movie, I just won't do nothing like that, period. Um, so that was one of the close call scenes where you got your actors going out for a little Mickey D's and they got weapons on them and fake badges. And it's like they walking up in there, yo... Can I get some fries? Can I get a Big Mac? And then the cashier is like, Yo, are you a police officer? Because I see you got a weapon and that a badge. And now I'm saying, You're like, Oh shit, this shit is real. Um, yeah, that was one. There's a scene in there. I do a little cameo. I'm supposed to be this crazy thug dude. I think I was a weapon dealer or something like that. Had a patch over my eye, and I'm going to fire a live gun with a patch over my eye. Yeah and that was that was a crazy scene too, because uh <laughs> like i said we use we we used live rounds about four times in this movie, and um uh, everybody knew it when we was doing it. um I try to do it each time I did it. I always felt I was doing it in a safe manner, but is it ever really safe when you're firing live weapons? I don't know when there's people around. Um, I wouldn't do it again, but yeah, um, there was a lot of stuff like that. The movie, though, um, like I said, sometimes it was it was <laughs> it's parsing it. It's like it's really cheesy. The sound effects, what I was working with, as far as, especially when like you do these sounds, where you like somebody getting punched, they all the punch sounds sounded like. <laughs> it's a sound I had to drop in there one time for a car peeling off, and it sounded like some kind of peel out scene from I don't know some damn uh, cartoon movie or some speed racer or some shit. Um, but it was it was a good experience because this uh, like I, this was a thing like on a, on this movie like. There's these moments as you're doing this stuff, you're pursuing this craft and it's, it's, it can be very complex. It's so much involved in this. I think about uh, like when I was a photographer, and I mean photography and all, this, all of this stuff has advanced so much, but when I was a photographer, it was usually just me and the subject. And my camera and the lights and I, you know whatever background locations or whatever like that, but pretty much just after you got the camera, the lighting and whatever you know that, then you're uh, processing, editing, whatever your pictures and stuff. On this stuff, is you know you wrote it, you're producing it, you're filming it, you're 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 you're, you're the cinematographer. Basically, you're the director. Uh, you're the sound person. Sometimes you're doing a lot of stuff on this, and um, you know, so it it takes a lot, but it's doable. Is it can it always be done in the greatest way? Yeah, it can. You got the money and the, <laughs> the resources for it, but when you don't have those things, you just you just go out there and do what the you know you want to make a movie, and that's what I did. Now, and it just it, like i said i learned from this from just the storytelling even though there was parts in this film where it was the stories was probably stretched out too much went in too many different from different areas where it didn't have to go at times too wordy but see i can see all that stuff now but i also see hints in there where i did a really good job um, um for my third time out doing a feature film like that and one of the things that always stood out to me, because I, I was kind of digressed when I was talking before about something that was very impactful in, in this process, where you, when you're pursuing a craft like this, and sometimes you have, may have questions like, you know, hey, can I out of doing this? Is this really my thing? Should I be doing this? And I had this moment that just kind of, it sort of solidified everything for me to let me know as if this is something that I can do. Do I supposed to be doing it? I don't know that. But I feel like I can't do it. And it was this one moment where we had a scene set up where the uh, Sean Dickinson character gets a visit from this uh, state uh, senator. And um, the senator shows up with I think it's supposed to have been with a woman who works at his estate, and he had his driver there. And basically, the senator was bringing his uh, employee there um, to help her because her daughter has come up kidnapped. And he had concerns about the daughter being missing um, because she would come visit the mom at the estate And then he had some things that came up missing the same day. So that was part of why he had an interest in this. So it's the senator, it's Sean Dickinson, his assistant majesty, uh, the senator, I can't remember the the guy's name who played that, um, the senator's employee, and and then his driver. Ah, His name was right there. So what happened on that day was, the woman who was gonna play the senator, sort of caretaker of her of the state or whatever, housekeeper whatever her part was, she couldn't make it, and it was like real last minute where I think she called and said she couldn't make it, and I'm like the guy that was playing the part of the senator, this dude drove down from like. Middletown, or somewhere like that, or something, or further out. And I was like, damn, man, you know, it's like, I ain't gonna have to tell this guy we ain't gonna be able to shoot this because I got an actor that didn't show up and it just feel like a waste of time. And I got all these other people here and stuff. So I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? I don't want to cancel this out. So I knew what the, 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 gist, the gist of the story was because how I wrote it, so I should know, um, was basically that her. Daughter's missing, kidnapped. The senator's concerned because the daughter came up missing around the time that he had some things missing from her home, and he don't know if she's tied into those things because she would come to the house. So I'm like, okay, here's what I'll do. The guy who's playing the limo driver, I'm like, you're no longer going to be, you're the limo driver, but yet now you got a granddaughter who's come up missing. And you work for the senator because you his personal driver. So, and the senator still had the same concerns because when the granddaughter came up missing, some stuff at his place came up missing. So I said, we just x her out. Now the driver becomes another character as, as something added on to his his part, where he's now the person that's there for the reason that the granddaughter. And when I came up with that idea of doing that, we was able to go ahead and shoot the stuff and I didn't have to cancel nothing. I was like, damn it! I'm a damn director, man. That's what a director would do, man. You got to be thinking quick on your feet. Because you really do. You got to be thinking quick on your feet like that. Because sometimes you got to like, in, in, in filmmaking, oftentimes people probably don't notice, but a lot of scenes are rewrote sometimes right there. Like right there on the set for all kind of reasons. Uh, so you have to be um, able to think fast like that, and I was so glad that I was. Uh, had a lot of fun, one thing I'm gonna say this, I know the fellas probably like, one thing. I know one thing the fellas will say. One thing when you worked on the Lee Zelda set, and if you was a male working on the set, you probably enjoyed the view, because we always had some nice looking people, nice looking women on the set. And I was thinking about that when I was looking at some scenes in this movie. Just some of the dialogue and some of the stuff. Some of the takes and some scenes and stuff that a lot of people was privileged to because they was there when we was filming it. But I'm not going to, like I said, I don't desire to put this stuff up online. But I was thinking about the, uh, I was looking at when I was shooting the movie. I mean, looking at the movie, they used to go over stuff on a podcast. And I was looking at, it was again, sometimes the writing, I just thought sometimes the writing was really slick the way I would do this stuff because uh, majesty and Leonard character she was like his assistant she also was packing a pistol and stuff too because she was like his uh, you know, assistant private eye working with him and it was always this kind of thing like uh, sort of a romantic thing where she was kind of crushing on him but he was going through some baby mama drama stuff and plus he was kind of like a little wild anyway but uh, so it's a scene where they're kind of like Winding down at the end of the day, and they're sitting on the love seat, drinking some wine and talking and stuff, and she's kind of in some little negligee, and he's like, they're having this conversation, but it's kind of like they're talking in indirect ways to each other, and so you see her looking at him, and it's these cuts going back from him to her to him to her, and then it's like you see where she's like, she fantasized. And she had this fantasy scene that we set up where she was like in this other lingerie on this black couch <laughs> and I had smoke machine stuff and then Leonard comes strolling in because Leonard was a dancer and Leonard comes in and they had this like and that I was like that scene was cool though. I mean it wasn't like it wasn't uh, you know untasteful it was very tasteful it was nothing really being exposed it was very sexy though and I was looking at it, I was like, man, you know, you you know, I just always thought I had a good eye, especially for lighting. The lighting was real slick, the composition, how it was all set up, framed, and all that kind of stuff. So that looked pretty good. So then I was like, that scene was one, and then like he's looking at her. So then when it cuts to him looking at her, the audience automatically assumed we can really see his fantasy that he have of her. But then when it cuts to him and his fantasy, it was his fantasy about his baby mama. And she came in there, and uh, I can't think of the girl's name, but I remember a lot of the guys She's always asking me, is she going to be on the set today? Is what's her name showing up today? I'm like, I said, she, don't, she don't feel the day." And they're like, ah, right, so can you tell us what day she'll be back? I'm like, <laughs> it was just crazy. But his scene was a fantasy scene of her uh, dancing in. And so it's like the audience, you know, see like, you know, majesty thinking of him and then when it cuts to him he's not thinking of majesty he's thinking of his baby mom and it was like little stuff like that sometime when i would look at how i i wrote some things uh to play on certain things i thought that it was good um some stuff like i said i could look at it and i was like man this, stuff, this scene was like that, that scene wasn't even needed um another crazy scene that just like again when you're doing guerrilla film and you're pretty much, you know, one man show, you might have a person there with you that could be script supervising, you might have somebody who's helping you as an assistant and you might have a boom person and that might be the the extent of your cast I mean, of your crew rather and then, shoot, now it's like, I don't even do that, I just it's just pretty much me, you know, and it's like it's cool though, because now it's like, I have been doing this stuff for so long, I like, you know beyond the feature films the shorts the little different variety show basement show and uh the spot and other little stuff it's just like some of this stuff is just beyond other than carrying it and sitting it up and stuff like that it's just you just get to where you know it, so it's not that complex even though yeah having people to do all these other things is cool, but I just you know because I know with me when I'm gonna shoot something, I know I'm there. So if I got to worry about other people, will they be there now? That kind of stuff. Don't, that don't even be an issue because I'm doing everything. So as long as I'm there, we got to making a movie. And um, so like I said, there was some stuff in there. I look at great. Uh, like the uh, uh, Also too, like I talked with Nattyville. Like I said, when we had stuff in there. There was some sex things in there. The guy like, got created some issues. Created some issues. But in here, I don't think it really was like anything in here. I mean, we had some stuff in here, some little dancer scenes and, you know, some little fantasy dream scenes. The opening scene, yeah, that was kind of, yeah, okay, I forgot about the opening scene. But beyond that, I thought it was, as far as an R-rated movie is done today with sexual content, and some of that is like NC seventeen. This was not NC seventeen. So I thought, you know, people always kind of criticize me about this stuff. Back like, then, you always got some sex in your movie. You always got nudity. I mean, it's it's, it's filmmaking, and it's based on how the story is told. And it's sometimes that's a thing. Sometimes, like in America, we can be so kind of like, you know. We're crazy about going out and hunting and killing animals and guns and stuff like that. But when it comes to kind of nudity or something like that in a the story, and you're an adult, somehow you know it's like oh, it's just you know taboo or some kind of stuff. And that's why I like a, a lot about foreign films, especially like French filmmakers. That shit don't mean like, they're telling a story. They're not even thinking about all that stuff. But I digress. Um, I was going to go talk about. I was going to go into the direction again about safety issues because. On this movie, you know, beyond using real weapons, yeah, that's a safety issue because somebody could have got shot, but fortunately, nobody did. And then we had another issue when it's important to, for you know, you new filmmakers who sometimes out there winging it guerrilla style. If you're listening to this, you want sure you got every, all your, your your eyes dotted, your T's crossed, and all that kind of stuff. And if you're doing a scene that got to do with weapons again and a robbery and running on the streets with guns in their hand, you just might want to inform the local police. You know, like, hey, who do I talk to about we're going to be doing this movie? We don't really have a budget, but we're going to be shooting in this location and we're going to have some fake guns or whatever and it's going to take place at this time of the day. Is there any special thing we should do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you might want to do that. We didn't. We just guerrilla-style winged this shit like we was doing pretty much the whole time we was filming. Lee, what we doing today? We're gonna be doing this today. We're going to this location, bring those guns, bring that, bring the knives, bring whatever, you know, somebody stop and get some white castles. Um, so we doing this one scene. This was a scene I looked at and I was like, it was one of those scenes where I, <laughs> I, I know how I wanted this character, LaShawn Dickerson, Dick to come across like this '70s soul brother that talked this real slick stuff, and sometimes says some '70s like words that wasn't even said in the '70s. Like when instead of saying cool, he would say, "Hey, let's keep it frosty. Let's keep it frosty. Let's keep it." Frosty. I remember when I first somebody said that, they're like, "Man, what did you come up with that shit?" Got that off of Alien. Yes, if you watch Alien with Sigourney Weaver, the one military dude in there. And this was, like, an advanced time because this, like, was in the future when he was making this movie. So, the word frosty as being used as cool was being used then. And if not mistaken, my movie was out before that movie. So, I was already thinking that term frosty. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, I wanted this character to kind of have this sort of, like some kind of created little 70s kind of style like one of the detective you saw back in those days. And it's a scene where um, somebody on the street, because people, when they would see shit on the street, you know, they wouldn't run to the police. No, no, we can't trust these cops. These bougie-ass cops, they working for master. Go to LaShawn, go to Dick. Dick would get it done, because why? He's Dick. He's going to come down, he's going to Dick things down. No, he's not, not. Just kind of fucked that all up He's going to come down and he's going to handle shit So this guy runs into the office Yo LaShawn So and so some is getting robbed Down there and, you know We can't call the police we coming to get you And he's like why didn't y'all call the police Because the police don't come for no stuff like that So LaShawn runs out of His office he runs down and it's like Foil this robbery that's going to take place And um It was one of them scenes like I said First I didn't do a good job of writing that particular scene. Too wordy. Um, didn't good do a good shot job as far as filming it in a sense because the actors in there, again, when you're doing this kind of stuff, sometimes you got your people you're working with, then you need some extras. And these extras, you know, they're not actors, they don't know, you know, and if you don't really teach them exactly how to make sure they do this stuff the way you want it done, then it don't look at authentic. So, anyway, got a robbery scene. He goes in there and he's talking this shit. He's doing this loud talking because he wants the robbers to know basically as if like as he's talking to the owner of the store she realizes the robbers are still in there but LaShawn has showed up to save the day, damn it. And LaShawn is kind of giving a speech about the community and how it's falling apart and he's saying this to the woman but he's really saying it to these dudes that standing around the store because he's like, y'all don't notice, but I'm about to whip out this big ass gun on y'all asses and take it down. Because he got his partner with him, his sidekick. Majesty is standing aside, and They both gonna take these guys down. So which they do. One dude gets shot. Majesty, I think, smacked the other dude with a pistol, with that same slap effect that I use pretty much on everything in there. <laughs> oh man. So then, okay. So this is this is this is the, the safety issue. This is when I talked about you need to inform your local police and stuff like that when you shoot an independent film. You got some stuff taking place out on the streets. Um. The robbery takes place. Well, it don't take place, cause Dick foils it. He 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 basically foils it. He foils. He foils it. What did that mean? I don't know. Actually, then he hit the button and just don't know why I did that. Um. He foils it. Damn. Oh, that like some. Oh, that's some Dick music right there. Yeah. Um, he foils it. I think I got another track. where he got the kind of dick sound. Um, he foils it. He foils a robbery. So I'm not that digress so Got the plan with the buttons. I need to stop that. He foils a robbery. So the set up. He shoots one of them inside. One guy runs off. Majesty handled the guy that's inside who shot. He shot. I think she did. She still busts him in the head with a pistol, if I'm not mistaken smacks him real hard with it. Not for real, but that was part of the scene he gets shot and then he gets smacked with a pistol or something like that. So then uh, the other guy runs off. So he Mm -hmm. runs out the store with his gun in his, I think he runs out the store, no, he don't have a gun. Leonard has a gun, he's chasing him. I think he dropped his weapon inside. So Leonard chases him out the store and we're out in Madisonville, out on Madison Road. Up there in that little strip mall area where I don't know if it's a family dollar still up there, but it was a family dollar up there at the time. And it was another little store that I can't think of the dude that owned the store because he let us use his spot. And uh, it so cool with people that would let us use our these spots for doing stuff like that. Really thankful for that. So he chases this guy out the store. So I'm like, okay, we, we set it up outside to show him when he runs out the door. Got the camera sitting up there on the tripod. Got my boom person there. Got my script supervisor there, um, my assistant or whatever. So we shoot that part. So we look like we're making a movie at this point. So then I want them to, after that, I want them to come running around the corner where they were run into this back alley. And uh, that's where the Le- shine would take the guy down. So we go to the back of the building. We had to go down the street to get to the back of the building. And then uh so we getting set up for that scene. And um I, I don't know, I think I had another person that was like in between that to yell action when I yelled action in case they didn't hear it. And I don't I think what happened was they thought they still needed to come from around there by the store with the gun in his hand and we're like way at the back of the building. So when I yell out action, the next person yells action so they can hear it. They come out the store. But then I think I say cut or stop or something. So they never did come around the corner. But by that that delay time, I think when we yelled action the second time, when they went to running, by this time the police was in that area. So yeah, the police see a guy running after another guy with a pistol. And it was a lady that was there with one of the actors. I think she was either the actor's girlfriend. Was it his girlfriend? Or was it his sister or mom? But it was somebody that was there with him. I just remember she came around in her car where I could see her. And she said, yelled out, police. And I'm thinking, police? Uh oh, police? I'm, I'm like, you know, is the police coming? And then I'm like, and it dawned on me. Like, they haven't come around the corner yet. So I'm like, oh, shit, the police is up there. The police is up there. So I'm telling everybody, come on. And we running, and we carrying whatever the gear and stuff we got. And when we get around the corner, it's like Cincinnati Finals. It's like a scene out of a movie, and we're shooting a fucking movie. And they got their cars, like about three squad cars is there. They out with pistols. Out, I remember a dude with a shotgun drawn. I'm coming around the corner, and I'm like, "Yo, yo, yo! We're making a movie. We're making a movie. We're making a movie. Put your gun! We're making a movie." And they like pointing their shit at Leonard, and Leonard is standing there with his hands up with a fake gun. This time we didn't have the real shit; we had the fake shit. And Leonard is standing there with the fake gun up over his head, and they yelling, "Drop the gun! Drop the gun!" And this black, I think he was like a sergeant or something like that. He looks and realizes that he's looking right at me, looking at us. And he's like standing there with his weapon. And I see the ex- expression on his face where he kind of drops in. They making a movie. <laughs> he's like, they're making a movie. One dude with the, it was one white cop though. I remember this motherfucker did not want to put his gun. It, after all the other cops was like, y'all yeah, man, this is crazy, What y'all picked the, he's like, no, he needs to drop that. He needs to drop that. And I'm like, dude. It, What the fuck Everybody We're making a movie He needs to drop that And I'm like If he drops that It's a fake gun It's a toy It's the only one we got out here It's gonna break Can he just Can he place it down Softly on the ground And the guy was like No he need to drop it Has to be one asshole So after that moment And actually At that time I had recorded That whole thing secretly when it was taking place. Because I needed that just in case something went wrong. I was just thinking about my mind because it was like when you saw us coming around the camera, boom stand, person with headphones on, camera, mic, you know, a tripod and all this stuff. And we're like, we're making a movie, you know, and Leonard like already standing there posted up with his hands up. He ain't moving. Um it was clear, so I don't know why dude just kept insisting like, he need to drop that gun. I'm like, would be the white. It would have been the white dude. Um, so then the one black cop was like, look, he was basically like, I don't know what the hell y'all was thinking, but y'all picked the worst spot to do a robbery scene because at that time, I was, it was I mean, I don't know what it's like now. Ain't not been nothing a long time. It was kind of crazy back then. And he was like, yeah, I picked the worst location to do a scene like this. So he was like, yeah, I should have called somebody, let somebody know something. Next time, call him up, I can say something. So uh, he didn't say that. but uh, So he left an uh, officer there. He's like, I'm going to leave somebody here until y'all get done. So that was cool. Because the thing about filming in Cincinnati is, um, and you got to check in different states. You can film pretty much on any streets around here as long as you're not hindering traffic or pedestrians walking. So you have the freedom to film without needing, uh, you know, to pay um, any kind of uh, um have a licensing or whatever, or permits or anything like that. Um, yeah. We had some wild times on this. Um It was one of the funnest movies I I filmed as far as having fun just every day, getting with these people. We had a crazy. The soundtrack was crazy. I had you talking about a diverse track. It wasn't just diverse as far as it being a little rock, the neo soul, R and B. I think it was some weird ass punk like music. I mean, it was a variety of different shit on there, but it all worked perfectly for this weird story. Well, it wasn't so much the story was weird. There's at times it got strange when I was just looking at some of the stuff and just looking at how, like I said, I think my vision and my scope and even my scope for the writing of the story was bigger than what I was probably capable of actually doing. And also, um, as I was still very much in the early stage of learning how to write and tell a story and write a a screenplay. Um, But then I can look at some stuff in there and see the progress from Nattyville to Justifiable to Dick and that's like that's in anything I think if you're doing music whatever it is you're doing if you don't see where there's some growth in what you're doing that you're getting better and you can measure that stuff you know you don't need because I'm going to tell you it's like it's something I always try to you know say to people and that's doing this kind of stuff and especially sometimes new people and sometimes it's even people that's like not so much what they knew to this but um they not be might necessarily be like yearly young folks doing this. And I always try to tell tell people that um the best person you can listen to sometimes is yourself. Watch some good movies. It's a lot of good stuff out there that can inspire you and stuff like that. I still look at stuff and get inspired. It's like when I the whole thing about the retribution thing, I'm gonna go back into that a lot, but it's other stories that I've seen, different ones that like, I see a little bit of this, I see a little bit of that. Then it makes me like, then I create my own story that's from out of a bunch of little things or, I, or from a vision. And I might just get a snippet of something there that it gives me an idea, and not so much how they did it, you know, and just being creative with the stuff. So, hope you enjoyed that behind the scene of Dick. Um, I think the trailer is online um like i said i know people ask about copies copies like i said i got one dvd of this i've been holding on to this dvd for i don't know how long um it's not good quality none of this stuff is good quality i was even trying to watch one of my uh movies uh something that i just would i liked, and looked at that and i was like damn I kept a lot of the stuff in the cases or whatever, sealed up, and then some stuff, I just kept it on that spool. You can't just, you can't keep the DVDs on that spool, you know, that spool that'll hold, like, a a blank, hundred blank DVDs, and then you use it later to, like, this would be a cool place for me to stack my DVDs at, but what's happening is they they're spinning around, they're turning against each other, and basically, you know, you get dust in between there and that turning and stuff over the years, when you're moving that around, scratch them up, so um, But so much for that I digress Um, hope you enjoyed the behind the scenes of dick again guns on the set real guns no we need to stop doing that we just need to use fake weapons do the effects you need to do and post and let's just keep the guns off the sets so nobody else will get murdered hope you enjoyed this podcast Uh, Stay tuned for the next one, which will be OTR. Yeah, OTR be the next one. And I look forward to that one. And I'm out.